Thank you guys for leading us this morning. Uh, so good morning to you guys. You guys doing well? Good to see you this morning. Um, so today is going to be a different Sunday. We're going to have a, this is New York City Testimony Sunday. Uh, so we're going to have our students come on stage, the ones that had said they were going to share. Um, so if you're a student that said you're going to share today, if you could bring your chair up here on the stage, and we're going to make just a straight, we'll, we'll test their ability to make a straight line. Um, I know school hasn't started yet, but we'll see how long this will take us to actually pull off. Just make a straight line. It doesn't matter what order you're in. Um, just go ahead and get in a straight line somehow. We'll pass the mic in a moment. There should be, I think, about six of you said, that said you would share this morning. And then there's a few. If we have time, um, there were some maybes. There were some people that were not quite sure if they wanted to share or not. So we'll see if uh, we can put the pressure on them, if the peer pressure will be enough for them to share with you guys this morning. Um, so we had about 22 people, actually 24 if you include my own kids. My own kids went this year. That was an experience. I won't get into all that, but yeah, it was fun though. They had a, a really good time uh, seeing um, these students at work. And uh, so I'm going to start off just by sharing a little bit about what we did while we are there, and then um, we'll let the students kind of share um, some of the stories that impacted them on the, on the trip. And uh, so we took about 22 leaders and, and students to New York City. Um, we go to a section of Queens called Jackson Heights. And Jackson Heights is about 200,000 people in that one little area. And it is known as the most diverse um, area of the entire U.S., just that one little section. How many of you guys have been to New York City before? Raise your hand. All right, but I'm guessing most of you went to, like, Manhattan so that's not the part of New York we go to. Like, that's the touristy part. We go to the, the area where people actually live, right? And, uh, and so we're in Jackson Heights, Queens, and there are over 180 languages spoken in that little area of New York. Um, you'll see many people from Nepal, Tibet, um, India, Pakistan, I mean, all over the place. They're, they're right there at Jackson Heights. And so... Um, what Urban Nations does, Urban Nations Outreach is an organization started by a guy that I'll introduce you to in a minute uh, who felt called to go to the nations, but to go to the nations that are in New York City. What you don't realize is many of the people that um, come to New York City are coming from closed countries, meaning they can't hear the gospel in their country because it's not allowed to talk about um, anything but um, their state religion or their um, nationalized religions there. So immigrants come to the U.S., and so this guy saw it as a, as a prime opportunity to let's start an organization that teaches ESL classes to people that are in need of ESL, um, but also let's do some outreaches with, with families and kids. And so we really get the best of both worlds. We get to have lots of conversations with adults um, through English as a second language class, and also the impact style clubs that you've seen done here in Temple and Belton. Um, we also do those in parks and areas um, in that area as well. And uh, so it's a great bridge. Um, what you'll notice is a lot of the people that we talk to, um, I think, are more friendly. People think of New Yorkers as being not friendly. Well, some aren't, but they're usually the Americans that live in New York. But the ones that are not from America that live in New York are super friendly, super nice, and would love to talk with many of our students and many of you if you go next year. Um, about anything and everything. They're very open to 
hearing from you about your faith, and they'll tell you about their faith. And it's, it's great how they just will share openly like that. So Urban Nations has found a couple of ways, ways to bridge into these cultures in that area. They, they, they've also planted, I think, eight churches. So their desire is not just to um, have a place where they learn English, but it's also to hopefully have them come to know Jesus and then um, plug them into churches in Jackson Heights and the surrounding areas as well. So that's what Urban Nations does. And then we just help them by coming alongside them the week that we're there and helping with um, ESL classes, but also helping to run and lead those Bible clubs um, throughout the week that we're there. I've got a few pics I'll show you. Starting off, uh, this is us. We actually had a chance to go and um, be a part of a, uh, a church service at um, Upper West Side, Manhattan. This is right in front of um, the, ch- the church building where Stephen uh, Chung and Julia Chung's church meet. That's Trinity Heights Church. They're up by Columbia University. And I'll share a quick story with you real quick. Uh, this is encouraging to me. Stephen emailed us um, last week and said that there's a woman in his church who's been coming. She was a total atheist, a total skeptic. Um, started coming a few months ago and showed interest in understanding what Christianity was about. And they said, okay, here's some, some really good books you can read. So she began to read some books. And that woman now is a believer. Like, how cool is that? Um, that she goes from being a total atheist, um, wanting nothing to do with Christianity, and now she is a, a full believer in Christ and wants to be part of the church. And her statement in the email was, the story of Christianity, I think, is the most compelling thing I've ever heard. Like, how, how, how amazing is that, that um, the work being done by their church on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. So we got to go and be part of their service on the Sunday, um, which was encouraging uh, for us to be a part of that. Next picture, I think, is um, we went and visited a Sikh temple. If you don't know what that is, it is... Um, so, no, we did not introduce my daughter to a gang. That's not what happened here. Um, but they have to, you have to cover your head when you go in, so we had to follow their rules. And so we go in, and... Uh, and one really funny story, we're ever, we're ever eating lunch with, um, in their little cafeteria, and my daughter runs over to my wife, and she goes, she goes, Mommy, um, I just asked that girl, I said, can you tell me all the names of your false gods? And, yeah, she said that. And we're like, I'm proud of you, I guess. I don't know how to answer that. Uh, so yeah, that's my daughter. Um, first exposure to this kind of stuff. Um, so, but they, they continue to play, so I guess she didn't offend her too bad, right? Uh, so we go into this, it's a Sikh temple. It's really just an exposure to get to know like what other people believe. And um, if you see someone who is of the Sikh religion, um, you're going to think Islam. That's what we tend to think of. But they are not Muslim. They are not Muslim. In fact, they actually have a pretty violent past with between them and Muslims. So if you want to know more about what the, the Sikh religion, it's S-I-K-H, um, then you can, you can look it up. That's why on the eighth day, God created Google. So you can look that up and find out more information about it. Um, but next pick, I think, is us eating what we eat on the floor in their little cafeteria. Um, every Sikh person is vegetarian. So we had a vegetarian lunch that day. So um, I think next pick is us of in, as a group. Uh, we all had to cover our heads, including the guys. Um, so we all 
where that's our group after our little tour of their of their temple. Now the next thing I'm going to show you is a little video that was taken last year at the same Sikh temple. I couldn't show it, didn't have time to show it last year. So um, the Sikh religion has this um, martial arts focus, and they really do it just for sport. Uh, when you first see them, you're going to think, that looks like how I would think of a Muslim. But again, this is a Sikh religion. It's totally different than what Islam is about. Um, but they have part of their religion is because they do have a lot of violence in their past against Islam and a lot of warfare with Islam in the past, they have sort of adopted martial arts as just part of their, just what they do. But they would call themselves very much a peacemaking and peacekeeping people. But they do martial arts kind of like the way that you guys do uh, just PE class or whatever you guys do for PE class. That's kind of like what they do with its martial arts. And I took a video last year of one of their little duels that I thought was kind of cool. So let's go ahead and watch this video from last year. So there you have it. So that's what you guys missed from this year. We tried to get them to do that again this year. They couldn't, didn't have time to do it. So, um, but that's part of what they, uh, what they do in there is, is, is part of what they do as far as their full religion goes. Um, one, another tradition they have is they have a form of baptism in their religion. And when someone gets baptized, the young men get to um, keep a dagger under their clothing once they get baptized, but I think it would be a, re- a great idea for us maybe to adopt that. Um, it might boost the numbers, I don't know, but, uh, but it's, it's interesting. So it, it seems scary on the surface. You're like, wait, who are these guys? But then you're like, okay, these guys are, this is just kind of a sport for them. So um, right now what I'd love to do is I would love to, what pictures after that one? I'm not sure what's next. Okay, this is Larry Holcomb. This is the guy who founded Urban Nations. And he has helped plant like eight churches in that area. He's here teaching part of an ESL class. And there's Jacob doing something. I don't know what he's doing. Um, And then the next picture is just us in an ESL class. And we would pair up with these guys that are there and do exercises, like just go through English and and, and talk through some exercises um, as they learn the English language. So um, next picture, I think, is just us at a park doing a kids club. This, I think, is team, my team, team two, uh, at a kids' club. And then next pick is same club. And these guys did phenomenal um, every step of the way. I think next pick might be team number one. There we go, team number one. And this is before they got lost, right? Is that right? Yeah. Dan's confident. He's like, all right, selfie. And it's like, all right, here we go. Um, So this is team number one. And I would love for... 
I'll put somebody on the spot from team number one. If you guys could just quickly just grab the mic here real fast and, uh, and tell what team one did versus we already described what team two did. So who wants to do that? Bailey? All right, here we go. Okay, so this is my second year at New York, so I have the benefit of seeing both sides. Last year I was on the team. Uh, team two, that was like McKinley and those people, um, they were at the SAC, which is the South Asian Center, and that's where they did more of the um, impact style clubs where they were telling the stories and the gospel presentations. But our team, we went to a place in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn in the Bronx and um, at the West African Center, and we were... They are just starting to do the ministry there, so we were there, and we were just kind of forming relationships and getting everybody, uh, helping set a firm foundation for them to go back and share there. So, Thank you. So um, what we'll do now is, I don't care what order you guys go in, but just uh, just pass the mic down, and each of you just share. What I've asked them to do is just share what aspect of the trip really stood out to them, uh, but also just share any stories that really impacted them throughout the trip, throughout the week that we were there. So we'll just start and work our way back this way. There we go. All right, that works. Um, well, first of all, the reason, I'm going to start with the reason why I wanted to come on this trip. Um, I actually have extended family in Malaysia, which is a Muslim country. 60% of them, I believe, are Muslim. Um, and so I, um, was drawn to New York and God just called me to that because he's like, Hey, you know what? You just kind of went to a trip to visit your extended family over Malaysia. And it was actually during Ramadan that we went. Um, so I just felt called to come to New York since that, uh, New York had come up like this school year right after I had gone to Malaysia. Um, and I'm going to share two stories about these two little boys that I met. Uh, so one of them I actually met, I was on team two, so we stayed at the sack and did like impact type clubs. Um, and I met this little boy, his name's Khalid. He's maybe six years old, I think, and we were playing, I wanna say we were playing detective, but he was more interested in what was going on around him, so he'd just sit in the circle and just watch everything and not really play. Um, and I was actually wearing this skirt, so he got interested in the little jewels that were on my skirt. And since I'm sitting down and my hair's long, my hair's kind of like, you know, on like the ground kind of-ish and on my skirt. So he goes from playing to my skirt and then he grabs a little bit of my hair and he goes, your hair's long and black like my mama's. And then he touches his hair and he goes, it's black like mine too. And so then I look at him and I said, yes. I'm like, my eyes are dark like yours. And he goes, and the moment I said that, these two other little boys turn around and like, start like touching their eyes and they start looking at mine to make sure that their eyes and my eyes are the same color. Um, And then another story about another little boy. I didn't catch his name because I didn't talk to him until we were leaving. Um, And it was one of our outside park clubs. Um, So as we were leaving, everybody's saying goodbye because I believe it was actually our last day. And this little boy comes up to me and he goes, are you Tibetan? And I said, no, I'm not, sorry. He looked so disappointed. And he looks at me and he goes, well, do you know Tibetan? I said, no, I only know English. And so he goes, okay, well, Anyo. I'm like, Anyo, does that mean goodbye? And he goes, yes. So then uh, he passed us again where we were walking out as a group. And he waved and he said goodbye to everyone except for me. 
to me, he went, Anyo. And so I went, Anyo. Um, and then the last story that I have to share is about this mom and this daughter that I met um, during ESL classes. And she's from Bangladesh, which is also a Muslim country. And they were both Muslim. So we got talking about um, her country. And from my understanding, only her immediate family is here in the States. And her, all of her extended family is overseas in Bangladesh. So I was like, hey, I said, my dad's in the same situation. You know, his immediate family's here, but all of his extended family is over in Malaysia, which is also a Muslim country. And so she's kind of like, oh, okay. And so then I went to talk about, and I said, um, then she asked me if I was Muslim. I said, no, I'm not. I said, but I said, my grandfather was actually a pastor, a Methodist pastor. Um, And then I went to explain the uh, stance of the Christian church in Malaysia. And specifically, the Methodist church has grown so big that actually a part of the Muslim Malaysian government works with them. Um, to just kind of like work things out. And she was just kind of like taken aback and shocked at how like impactful that the Christian church had grown to become in a Muslim country. Because to her, that was just kind of like way out there. And like she hadn't heard anything like that before. So... Okay, so... Um, when I first was considering going on the New York trip, um, it was kind of like a long process of deciding for me. I was like, do I want to go on this? Do I want to try to do like an international mission trip this summer? Because it's my last summer before I go to college. It was a lot of like deciding and trying to just see what was really on my heart. Um, and then about like this time last year, I started having a, a passion for urban ministry, which is what I might end up pursuing later on in my life. Um, and I really just felt God, like, telling me, like, this is, like, you might not have another chance to go on this mission trip. You'll have other chances to go, like, internationally. But this is, like, your last time, last chance to go to New York with the high school. And I was, like, I think I'm going to, like, this is what God wants me to do. He wants me to see what, like, how, what what it's like in an urban community and, like, how it is in diverse areas. And it was a really, really good decision because it really like, opened my eyes to a lot of different cultures and a lot of just different um, parts of the world. It it shows you just how broken it is in some areas of the world and everywhere in the world and just how even just in our backyards, like, so close to us, there's so much diversity that you don't really expect to be there necessarily. And I was, my eyes really opened to that. And I have a couple of stories that were really cool. Um, I was on the team that got to go to Brooklyn and the Bronx, which was really, really awesome. I ended up falling in love with both of those places. Like, we got to go to the SAC on one of the days, like, both teams went there. And it was cool, like, getting, like, dipping my toes in that and also, like, getting to experience what the West African Center was because it was very chill. Like, it was really laid back and, like, we would go every day. We would start off with a devotional. We would just, like, talk to the interns and they would just tell us what we were doing. And it was, like, being just, like, in a home and they just welcomed us so well. And... I really loved the interns. Like, they were really, really cool. And uh, one of the stories I'm actually going to tell is actually, like, interlate, not not something that I necessarily, like, dealt with myself, but something that we were told while we were on the trip that was really, like, like hit me very, very hard. Um, so one of the interns, his name was Josh, and he was really cool. I think Kevin actually met him, like, last summer when he worked 
there or intern there. And Josh was a really, really cool guy. Um, he lived in Singal for a lot of his life. He lived in West Africa. And his father is actually Muslim. And um, I think his mom is Christian, if I remember correctly. And so it's kind of a very, very strange situation. And he came to the U.S. I'm pretty sure, um, whether it was for his education, I'm pretty sure, but he came to the U.S. and he converted to Christianity. And that was a big step for his family and for him, especially like living in that kind of condition. And it was just... His faith was very, very impacting. And one day, we went to an evening club, kind of like, it was park outreach, but we weren't actually doing a Bible club because that wasn't necessarily accepted in the area we were since we were just, since the community wasn't used to us, like, wasn't used to urban nations, like, doing Bible clubs there like they are in Queens. But since we weren't allowed to, like, directly tell kids the gospel, it was kind of just, like, the guys went off in the basketball course and played basketball with the other guys because they weren't allowed in the park. And so, just because that's, it wasn't socially accepted, and, like, there, some of, like, the women and the kids just felt uncomfortable with that, and so the guys always went and played basketball. And one of the guys, before we got there, Josh met a couple of Muslim guys who were, like, I think in, like, their late teens, and they were just playing basketball, and Josh started up a conversation, and one of the guys was Muslim, and... For, and Josh said that he, like, started a conversation. He kind of explained what Christianity was, and this Muslim guy was actually very, very interested in what he was saying. He was actually, like, taking an interest in what he was saying, and he was understanding it, maybe not accepting it entirely, but he was actually, like, giving it a chance. And um, then they went home that night, and Josh might not have thought a lot about it, but the next week, whenever we were there, we went to the club, and... Josh saw one of this guy's friends, and he was like, hey, where's so-and-so? And his friend explained that the boy that Josh had talked to the week before was actually killed the night that Josh had talked to him and had told him about Christianity and had explained it to him. And so there's no clarification whether or not he died a Muslim or died understanding a little bit of truth, but... What was really cool about that situation is probably his first time ever hearing what the gospel was. Like, he heard the gospel before he was killed, because Josh might have been the only light that he had, like, um, of understanding it, because it's not very prevalent to see Christians in that area, because a lot, it's just so primarily Muslim and other religions, and so um, that was just really cool to see, and and heartbreaking, because you really don't there's no clarification for sure whether or not he was saved, but it is, like, for sure that God was moving in him at that time, and he was doing something, and that was really cool to see, like, that there's a little bit of light in that area, and so that was really cool, and just seeing how that worked, and there's also just, it was really cool, like, we went on a lot of prayer walks, and I'm just going to, like, briefly explain those, so, because just, like, talking to so many people, we met someone at a, at a little African market, and she Basically, she grew up in France, but she moved to New York, and she was used to people in France. Like, her family and her friends were always so friendly and so, like, joyful and just gracious, and she was so used to waving at people, kind of like we are here, because, like, whenever I drive places, I wave at everybody, and so, but in New York, if you wave at someone or you smile at someone, it's considering, it's considered pretty weird and kind of socially unaccepted, I guess. Not unaccepted, but weird, and so she lives in... Um, the Bronx, and she was used to, like, even though it's not accepted to, like, wave and smile at people constantly, she still does it, and people look at her weird, and they see her as, like, the outcast because she's friendly, 
and we talked to her, and we just we prayed with her about how, like, it's so good that she's a light, even in, like, darkness, because she's so attached to, like, the joyful um, past that she had in France, which is kind of, like, you wouldn't necessarily expect someone, like, France to be where people are kind, I guess. Like, there's obviously kind people everywhere, but where she's from, like, you wouldn't necessarily expect her to find more joy and kindness in France than New York, but she does. But she's still working on, like, you know, spreading a light and, like, being joyful. And so just, like, pray for her that she will not lose that joy and she'll still continue to be a light in her community and still continue to, like, um, spread that joy and that will just, like, you know, go around the community. And that's all I'm going to share. I'm going to pass it. Okay, so I don't really have uh, too much to share, but it was uh, the Sikhs. I, I went last year and this year as well, and both times I got to go to the Sikh temple, or Sikh Wadar, as it's technically called. But, uh, and one thing that just really stuck out to me about their religion is they're a very compassionate and welcoming religion. They're not... It, and it was, it was just really cool to see that how someone as far away from truth as they are is that they're so they look like what us as, all, as Christians, what we should be reflecting in terms of compassion and how we should be and how, our, how we should be to outsiders and strangers and people who don't necessarily fit in. Is Because like, we walked in as a group of 22 or like a whole bunch of Christians just walking in. And to them, they see us the same way we would see if a whole bunch of Muslims walked in. And it's how they immediately just welcome to us. And um, there's a guy, his name was... He said his name. He said all of his friends called me, him Dave, so that's I, that's why I call him. Um, and he led us around with one of our friend and with one of his friends, and um, they're just explaining their religion to us. And it's kind of a they so they they have their books, their holy books, and it's they have like ten of them, and they bring them out and they set them down on a bed, and like that's they come into their sanctuary and then they that's basically their worship service sort of deal. Um, but it, it was just really neat to see how they how they reflected the, what we should have been reflecting. So, yeah. Yeah, and um, one thing that just to add on to Bailey a little bit about that was the guy was fourteen and the girl was seventeen. That led us around, and I think I was just very um, convicted by that. That they were so knowledgeable about their faith. But I will say, we asked them the question, um, do you guys believe in an afterlife? And she just turns and looks at, I think it was her brother, I'm not positive. She's like, do we, do we like believe in an afterlife? And that really struck me really hard. Like you don't know where you're going to end up. But um, so the reason I went on New York was um, my friend Maddie went a couple years ago. And um, Maddie and I have some friends that, uh, don't necessarily think the same way we do. And um, I remember coming back, her coming back, and she just had this, like, heightened sense of what it means to see justice through the lens of Christ. Um, And I think that that's the biggest thing that hit me really hard this year was um, I went, and it was, like, the second I was in Jackson Heights that I thought I was going to feel nervous. I thought I was going to feel on edge. And, you know, you do feel a sense of that. You feel a sense of, oh, I'm like this white kid. And, you know, um, but I felt relief. I felt this overwhelming sense of happiness that I was in this 36 by six block area. That's filthy. That's, 
um, a lot of different languages I don't understand. It's literally in my, it's like how I see heaven. Um, I think it's a bit of heaven on earth to be surrounded by so many different cultures, so many different types of people. And um, I remember sitting, sitting in ESL one night, Monday night, we were just, we weren't teaching English, we were just practicing conversation. And Emma and I were sitting with these four women who, um, they were all from different countries. I think one was from Tibet, one was from Bangladesh, one was from uh, Nepal, and one was from India. I think I could be getting those wrong. But um, I remember they all said this theme to me, and it was something along the lines of, you don't understand that while your while your country has a lot of great opportunities, you use like you use like government or just like police. Like if someone sees something wrong, they call the police. Which you know it's great to have access to things like you know law enforcement and stuff in those situations. But she's like, in my country, we immediately turn around and we try to help our neighbor. You know, it's not something else. It's not someone else's problem when someone's suffering. It's it's a, it's a communal issue. We don't know how to live in community. Even in our Southern hospitality culture, we don't understand community the way they do. Um, and another thing that really struck me was um, I was sitting in ESL another day. ESL is the thing that hit me the most. And there is this teacher there, and her name was Amber. And Amber um, is from Switzerland or something. And... Uh, she had this really cool accent, uh, but anyway, she was teaching. <laughs> she was teaching the story of um, the woman who was bleeding for twelve years, and um, you know she she asked these women to place themselves in Jesus's or this woman's shoes. She goes, "Have you all ever felt shunned? Have you ever felt like a sh- social outcast?" And she's using this this story to teach these women these words in the English language, English language, but she's also teaching them what it means to, to have a biblical perspective. She's taking their experience of maybe a time that they felt unwelcome in the U S or maybe a time where they were at home and, you know, just the things that we all go through of, you know, feeling like we're the ones that are left out. But there's something about teaching these stories to people that are, older than us. There's something about teaching these stories to adults and not children that really solidified for me that, oh my gosh, like I, I don't know how to tell you that it, it became so solid to me. It became so graspable for me in that second because we're, we're talking to these women who, yeah, they knew how to speak speak English, but they weren't fluid in this language. We're, like, explaining to them in these words. It's like the power of words. It's like the power of truth. The power of Christ was so present to me in this moment, and we're using these biblical figures to explain to them how we see the world. I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it's like all these things came hitting at me in that one moment. Um, And I felt like you know, there's there's just this aspect of how we should be living. There's this aspect of what ministry really looks like. Um, so for what for what New York was for me was it taught me what ministry looks like in a graspable way. And it taught me what justice really looks like. And it really stripped away this politicized image of immigrants for me. And I think that that's something Christians have to, we have to separate ourselves from 
you know, I, I don't care what your family's political stances are on whatever issue. It's just that, you know, when you go there and you meet people, they become people, they become souls that need Christ. And it's something that's such a basic concept. But until I sat down and I discussed with a woman, you know, this is what my God looks like. And she's, she's asking me, what does the word grace mean? What does the word obey mean? And she knows what this means. Like she has a word for it in her own language, but I'm trying to teach her what it means in English, but I'm also trying to teach her what that means from a biblical story. And it was just so cool. Um, I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but it was, it was, it was just everything. New York was life-changing for me. So I'll go ahead and pass it over to Jacob. Hi. Hey, guys. Good morning. Buenos dias. Um, so I got to um, teach at the South Asian Center, and it was, it was so cool. It was so neat just to meet all the people. And part of the ESL class is developing conversations among, like, the students. So I got to know them. They got to know me, um, like, why they came to the U.S., what they plan to do, like, when, while they're here, like, just, like, what their story is about. And... What was really cool is, like, one of the guys that I got to talk with, uh, his name was Tsing, and Tsing was a really cool person. He's from, um, he comes from Tibet, Nepal, China, and India, and now he's living in the U.S. He's been living here for over a year now, and he's currently teaching the Tibetan language at a Tibet school, and he likes to ball up with his buddies on Saturdays. So, raindrop. Yep. Um, so, and, like, while we got to develop these conversations, we also got to uh, talk about the gospel a little bit. So we got to dive into the scriptures a little bit and just, like, what his opinion on uh, Christianity was. And so he told me, he was like, yeah, so um, I actually, I actually uh, found the Bible in uh, my own language, the Tibetan language, and I've been reading it every single night. And, like, that just hit me because, like, just seeing how dedicated he is to learning about our faith and um, learning about, like, what we believe in, like, our God. Um, it was really cool, and I, and I hope that he keeps on doing that. Um, but while he's reading all those things, he hasn't, like, accepted Jesus into his heart. Um, he's still, uh, he's kind of, like, I wouldn't say, like, lost right now, but he's currently, like, uh, just struggling, like, what to believe in, what's true to him, um, like, which God to believe in. And so along with studying Christianity, he's studying Buddhism. And um, while that's, like, um, okay, I guess maybe not really. <laughs> um, he's constantly having people come up to him and say, like, hey, you're no good. Uh, what's your problem, man? Why are you studying these two religions? Why, why can't you just choose one and stick with it? So he's often, like, channeling that feedback with, um, or those comments with um, anger and depression and frustration. And so we just got to talk a lot about that. And um, so I've just been, I've been praying about him for, like, every night. And just hearing all these people's stories was um, really cool. Um, for me, like, I guess why I came to NYC uh, in the first place was, like, you know, I've been doing, I've been doing, like, impact um, for, like, the past three years now, and I thought to myself, like, hey, you know, uh, I have the chance every single day to go out and preach the gospel to the local community that I live in. Um, why not give it a change, you know? Go to the city that never fails to sleep at night um, and preach there to the people that um, you know, neither hear the gospel that have never heard the name Jesus before. So that's why I went, and that was the story that I had to say. So, here you go, ben. Thank you. 
All right, so I was one of the maybes, so I don't have any super-duper heart-touching stories to tell. But uh, the, re- the reason I went was uh, because I wanted to, like, see the environment of New York and see how different things were there. And uh, I, I was honestly scared at first, and, like, I didn't know what to expect. And uh, the first day we were there, we were uh, walking back to Nysum, and... Uh, we passed by this guy that was screaming at his friend to uh, get inside the house before he stabs him. And so I was looking around, and there wasn't a friend. So I, I, was pr- I got pretty nervous there. And uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, there, when I went to, uh, I was on Team Dose. So uh, we went to the SAC, which is the South Asian Community Center. And I met a lot of new guys uh, from Nepal and Tibet, mainly. And uh, to seeing he was talking about earlier, uh, we were asking him about, like, how to, how to speak it and some, some other words that, like, you could use. And uh, eventually, <laughs> we, we all got to uh, the phrase, living like Larry. And uh, he put that down in Tibetan on my phone. And later that day... Uh, I got a handout on my forearm. Jonah drew it, actually. I was pretty impressed. And it said, living like Larry in Tibetan. So uh, that, was, that was pretty fun. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, there were a lot of new people there at Nysum. We would go down every night, and we would meet with some groups. There were people from, like, North Carolina, Minnesota, uh, Alabama, all these different groups. And they were fun to talk to. It's nice meeting new people and knowing like how they are in different states and everything. So yeah, that's my stories. Hey, so I went to New York because I really like mission trips. I've been on quite a few. Went to Rwanda a few times. I went to uh, Galveston a few times. I thought New York would be a cool uh, opportunity, and it was. It was really awesome. And uh, I was on Team One. We went to the West African Center, and uh, I actually didn't uh, teach park outreach like the others did. I, uh, I stayed behind and taught English to this dude named Idris, and uh, he, uh, he came from America like I think four-ish years ago because he wouldn't tell me what, his, what was going on back where he was from. He wouldn't even tell me where he was from, but... He just told me that it was hard, and he didn't want to talk about it. And so I would just sit there every every day that we were there, and for like two hours, and teach him English. And at the the last day, I asked him like why he was why he didn't know English since he's lived here for so long. And he was just telling me he couldn't find anyone that would that was willing to teach him. So he had uh, he's been living by himself. He had to go get a job. He was like an assistant at a bike rental shop, I think. Uh, not not much pay. He couldn't really. He couldn't do much to uh, get by. He uh, he had to. He told me he had to like go scrounge for food almost every night. It was hard. And what was really cool about the ESL where we taught at the uh, the West African Center, they gave English lessons for free, and we were just there to help teach it. And that just didn't seem like a big thing at all for me. I mean, I was just some teenager going on a mission trip, doing what everyone told me to. But this dude, he he was learning English just so he could get a job that 
he actually got like paid reasonably well for just so he could like get food and live in New York City and it it was hard I mean I would just <laughs> I have no idea like he wouldn't tell me anything he would he would actually like get emotional just when I asked him like so where are you from so I I, I don't know where he's from I don't know where he's going to go in life, but I do know that he was seriously impacted by just those few days where he was getting taught by the West African Center, and that was really cool. Like, that really showed how meaningful this trip is, and how it didn't, it might not seem like what we do actually made a difference while we were doing it, but, like, it, it, it really does. He, he was really changed after that, and it was really cool to be there and watch that, so... I would definitely, I think I'm going to go to New York again. It was an awesome trip. They definitely, what we do there, it makes a difference. And I definitely see that now. So I recommend for whoever can go to go. And that's all I have to say. You do hear some pretty uh, heartbreaking stories. There was a guy that I met at one of our ESO classes. He's also from Tibet. And, um, he spoke very, very little English. I was actually having someone try to interpret what he was saying. I was trying to figure out where he was from, much like Ryan was trying to do with this guy, and, and also what brought him to the U.S. And he uh, basically told me that the political unrest got so great where he's from, and people began to see him as aligned with the opposition. And so he had to flee as a refugee and, and come to the U.S. eventually, um, just seeking safety. And he's got a wife, he has kids, and he makes very little money. He sends what he can back to help his wife and kids. But just imagine that for a minute. You know, you're, you're living in a country and um, you just want to live your life, and yet somehow things happen uh, to where you become viewed as the enemy by the ruling powers. And now you know if you go back, they're going to kill you. And uh, so your only choice really is to stay and, and possibly be killed or to flee and then send money back to your family in hopes that they'll be okay. And this man would come into the, um, the South Asian Center and some of these people with stories like this, they come in and they have these beaming faces, these, these joyful faces, in spite of the fact that, as so many have said, they don't necessarily believe in Jesus yet. Um, they don't have the truth yet, but they are coming and being exposed to the light daily as they learn English. And, um, and so it's humbling seeing the, the still somewhat of a, a joy on their face in spite of their circumstances, and yet they have no clue when they'll ever return home, if they'll ever return home to see their families. And, uh, and I'm just putting myself in that situation. Like, if, Imagine yourself like you're in the U.S. and then something happens where you have to flee and leave your family and you're not sure if or when you'll see them again. Like, that's many of these people's stories that we um, talk to and get to know. Um, another young man, one of the things I love to do whenever we go to the parks and our students are doing the outreaches with the kids, um, impact style clubs, um, I love just kind of walking around the park and just talking to adults. That some, some of the adults that have kids in the clubs or even just people that are just watching and seeing what's going on. And you have to understand, we, we walk into these parks, there might be 200 people at these parks. Some are playing basketball, some are on the playground, some are just kind of hanging out on the benches. And um, we walk into those parks 
and we are the minorities in these places. Like, we, we stand out. Um, no one else looks like us when we walk into these places. And so they know that we're not from around there. And um, so we walk up to this, I walk up to this one guy, and uh, his first words to me, he said, hey, so he goes, hey, so are you guys Christians? And I said, it's like, well, yeah. How did you know? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, well, I have um, been coming to this park since I was a kid. And he's also, I think, from Tibet or Nepal originally, but his family came to the U.S. when he was really, really young. So he's basically Americanized. He's an American citizen now. And he was, um, the, the night I talked to him, he was about to ship off uh, for the U.S. Marines to go serve in Okinawa, Japan. And uh, he and I talked the night before he led, left to go do that. And we're just talking. And he said, when I was a kid, I would come to this park when I was young. And Urban Nations has been sending teams to these parks for years, uh, teams like ours. And he said, I would actually play the games. I heard, heard all the stories about Jesus. And I actually sat where these kids sit many years ago and heard these same stories that you guys are telling today. Um, and I said, well, tell me, like, where you're at now. And he's like, well, I'm a Buddhist, and, you know, I believe in Buddhism. And he explained why he's a Buddhist. And uh, he seems pretty devout in his religion. And I said, well, do you mind if I just share with you kind of what Christians believe? And I know you already know some stuff, but tell me kind of what you know. And so we had this really good conversation about what he knows of Christianity. Um, and I knew I'll never see this guy again. It's a one-shot chance. And I said, listen, man, if you ever have any, any questions or things you just want to know more about, um, I said, give me, your, give me your phone. And so I pulled up our church's podcast and said, hey, I'm going to subscribe you to our church's podcast. We're going through some questions right now that people may have about the Christian faith. And so now there's some random guy like in Okinawa, Japan, who has subscribed to the church's TVC podcast that I'm praying and hoping will eventually reach out and want to know more about the Christian faith. And at least God might use that. Um, so I say all that because I want you to know that there's a story being written here. And we met someone who came years ago to these parks and um, heard the stories about Jesus. And now we talked to him one more time in that same park location. And so you never know what God's going to do in these situations as we... Um, do this minute. We're, we're, we don't just come in and we're done. It's like there's an ongoing effort happening in that part of New York that is being continued by other people that are there even now. Um, one encouraging thing is we've had we've had three students that have gone on this trip prior: uh, Kevin Beavers, Darby Ham, and Hannah Hahn, who have all gone back to serve as interns for the entire summer um, with Urban Nations. And uh, so I encourage all of you, any of you, if you've not yet gone on a mission trip. Um, whether it be New York, whether it be Ukraine, whether it be Rwanda, I highly encourage you to take a chance at least once when you're in high school to go on a mission trip. Um, I've told you guys this before, but me going on a mission trip my senior year of high school changed the, the trajectory of my life into ministry. It's, it's what led to a, a friendship, which that eventually led to me coming to Texas and, and really being here now. That all came about because of a mission trip. And God can steer your life in a direction that you might never anticipate um, by using these kinds of experiences in your life in powerful ways. So I encourage you in that direction. Um, if you're thinking about it, um, we're going to start signups for New York City as early as mid-October. I think we have an interest meeting in mid-October for next year's trip. The dates for next year are going to be July 7th through the 14th. Those are our dates for next year's mission trip to New York City. So um, I'm going to go ahead and close in, in prayer, and you guys can be dismiss. Let's go ahead and pray. God, we thank you so much for this team that you brought together um, to go to New York City. We thank you for the work being done through Urban Nations right now. We thank you for the chance that we had to be a part of that for just the one week. 
We pray, God, that you would stir in our hearts um, those that are being led to go next year. We pray that you would do a work in their hearts and their minds um, as they uh, think and pray about going next year, whether it be other trips as well, um, Ukraine, Rwanda, other places that our church goes every year. Uh, God, we pray for um, the work Urban Nations is doing. We pray that you continue to make it fruitful and continue to grow the churches that have been planted through their work um, in the coming months and years, Father. We praise you and we thank you. Amen. Thanks for being here today, guys. You are dismissed.